This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Ireland's Grand Slam hopes are dead for another year after Saturday evening's defeat in Paris. France 30, Ireland 24, an end-to-end barn burner, but unfortunately Andy Farrell's men came out second best. Luke, you know, what are your initial kind of thoughts? It was, it was an unbelievable atmosphere. It was a great end-to-end game. It, it, it's been, it has been great after kind of a couple of years with behind closed doors, Six Nations, to finally get the, the roar, the crowd back. Like We had a great one in the Aviva Ireland-Wales, and then Saturday night in Paris was special as well. Ah, uh, yeah, look, it was brilliant. Like, I mean, the atmosphere, the build up, like, we were, we had, it sounds very passionate, but we had, we had, we had our wine and cheese out at home in, in honor of the French game to, 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 <laughs> uh, to really make the most of the day. Um, and uh, look, it was very disappointing from an Irish perspective. Um, you know, I thought they got off to a terrible start in the game, and we'll cover that, I'm sure, with, uh, with our guests coming on uh, in, in a while. But um, yeah, look, just very disappointed for the lads. I think. Look, a lot was probably made of that decision. And look, I probably disagree with it, but I think there was more in the game that went wrong before and after that, actually, that was probably more of an issue. And I think that's probably what they'll cover this week when they when they head into camp um, to to kind of go through what, what happened, you know, and, um, and and how they can fix it for, for the next one. So, um, yeah, just disappointments, the overall feeling, isn't it? I really felt like, you know, they, they had loads of that second half. I mean, they were way on top of the French team. Um, just couldn't. I think it was probably a big mountain to climb, um, to come back after that terrible start. So they did great to get themselves into a position to do that. Um, and they'd be disappointed that they didn't take advantage of it because those opportunities. I don't think they come around that often in Paris. If I'm being honest, it's very very difficult place to go and win. Um, so yeah, I mean the 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 it's a sour taste, but there's lots of positives too. I think Ireland didn't play great, so there's lots of room for improvement. Uh, generally, like I hate when players repeat that <laughs> non-stop in post-match interviews but really there was loads of things that they didn't do very well um that i think um will be highlighted and i think they'll improve them because i think it's a very good team and i think one thing that i did think was positive is that you could see they there was opportunities there within this current more expansive game plan that they're playing um to open the french team up if they were a little bit more accurate and a bit calmer i thought um 
So they're on the right track and uh, just the accuracy and things like that, that the, you know, for, for the rest of the competition, I think they're in good, they're in a good position now. And, and a bonus point is still positive to get from Paris. Yeah, well, we're delighted to be joined once again on the show by Fergus McFadden to look back at the weekend's game. Fergus, how are things? Yeah, good. Thanks, lads. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, our pleasure. Good, good to have you back on. You know, a couple of days removed now from Ireland's defeat in the Stade de France. It was an interesting game, you know, it really, you know, went back and forth. Ireland looked on the ropes for a long time, then got back into a very good position before ultimately coming up a bit short. Like, what's kind of sticking out to you about it now, a couple of days removed? Yeah, I think in general, it was probably a stop-start game. Um, I think for the day that was in it, like, it was it was lined up to be, like, a lot of ball and play with um, kind of a lot of multi-phase attack from probably both sides. I don't think you really saw that. I think there was... Um, there was probably more errors from both sides than people would have predicted. Um, it's still a great game. I think um, obviously the French starting so well put put Ireland on the back foot, and you know as Luke knows when you go over to, to Paris and, and you play them, um, starting like that just makes it a bit of an uphill battle. But I think the the team showed great character in the second half. Like I I, I thought at half time that you know the French potentially if they got going in the second half they could have blown Ireland away. I think Ireland really hung in there, um, and if anything, you know, we, we were in a position to to maybe win the game at the end. But people kind of forget that, you know, the French had their little purple patch at the end there too, where Dan Sheehan comes out with that, um, you know, it's standing tr- try saving tackle, and really that's what saved us the bonus point. Like it was still six points, and people are going on and on about this decision from James Ryan, but but. Um, you know, I think he, he can stand over that decision. That's my opinion, because if he didn't take the three, Ireland wouldn't have the losing bonus at this stage. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into the decision in a bit more depth in a minute. But, Lou, first, you know, your your initial thoughts, you know, anything that you want to piggyback off what Fergus was saying or, or anything that kind of stood out to you now? Yeah, look, I thought it was actually, it was a, it was a really enjoyable game, even though I thought the quality actually probably wasn't what... I think both teams are capable of an attack. I thought there was kind of it was kind of scrappy. Um, I think there was probably good pressure from defense or from both defenses, maybe caused a bit of that. But I felt like both teams. I felt like I think they knew that they were up against their toughest match. I think or the team that was playing the best. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of overrunning things. A lot of people dropping passes that that they normally wouldn't. A few errant passes as well. Um, just looked like a nervy enough start to the game. And I actually thought Ireland got just just got the worst of it. Like I, I don't remember. I think they had a really bad opening 25 minutes, actually. Um, and afterwards, bar the French purple patch that, that Ferg was talking about, I actually thought they had a, a large part of that game. And it was there for the winning. Um, you know, I, I, that was probably my sense. But I, I felt like it's a, it's a tough it's tough to climb back from that start they had. Um, particularly, like, I mean, they got lucky. With, I suppose it was a great chase by Mac Hansen. But that was kind of a little bit lucky, I suppose. I actually thought they were lucky to be in the game um, and, and fought back brilliantly. Um, for that middle period of the game up to maybe the last seven, eight minutes. Um, so I was really disappointed for them. I thought it was there for them actually to, to, to get a win. Um, but um, I think they can be proud of it. I think they'll learn a huge amount from it. Um, I think they can they can actually get better. Uh, look, France can get better from what they showed too. They had a lot of mistakes as well at times. But um, I think Ireland um, didn't didn't actually... I think they, they, there's a good bit left in them actually. I think they could... They, on another day... Um, you know, they cut out some of the errors and they defend just a little bit better. I think they win that, actually. Um, so I think they'll, it'll be interesting to see the, the, the reaction they get. That video review will be interesting because I think if they look back at it, they'll think the same thing. Because I just literally just watched it again there. 
Um, and it was, um, yeah, they just had a terrible start, really bad start to the game. So it was hard to recover from there, I think, really. Yeah, just before we get into maybe some of the specifics, that decision that you referenced, Fergus, like, we might as well start with that and we can work our way backwards. Like, you, you, it sounds like you kind of agreed with it or you think James Ryan can stand over it. 27-21 down, cutting the gap to, to three points rather than going for that try. Needing a try anyway if you wanted to win the game, like having to start from your own territory to go back up, you think that was the right decision? Yeah, I do think it was the right decision. I think that there was almost 10 minutes left. There was nine minutes left on the clock. Um, I think we're in the ascendancy, but you take the three there and you've got the insurance of the, the losing bonus. You know, um, you know, I think our mall had been going well, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a roll of the dice. And I think when you have that much time, if there's, I think if there's under five minutes there, it's a no-brainer. He's probably going for the corner, but um, I think it was the right decision. And I think that that losing bonus point, I think people will realise in a month's time, how important that losing bonus point is because I think Ireland are still definitely going to be in the shake-up to win the competition. I think like, I think, I think that France, they're bound to slip up away to either Scotland or Wales. And I think points difference <clears throat> and will they definitely get losing bonuses against those teams? You just don't know with them. So us getting that losing bonus point in Paris, yeah, it, 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 it means that we're not going to uh, see a grand slam finish for Ireland but I think with how competitive this, this Six Nations is I think being in the shake-up going into the last weekend for us is is the result Yeah Luke what's your, what was your take on it? Um, yeah I, I actually I thought he should have gone to the to the corner to be honest um, I can see why Ferg and lots of other I mean it's, it's really split opinion you know like I mean Ferg's right I mean you come out of it now you've got a bonus point um, I'd probably argue they were a little bit lucky because I think I'm not sure how they didn't give that try straight off the bat, to be honest with you. But then once they asked the question, it wasn't clear grounding. So unbelievable tackle by by Sheehan. Um, I think I just I felt like Ireland had them on the ropes at that stage. I obviously think that, yeah, the line had struggled a little bit at times uh, during the day. Um but they had mulled them over just previous to that. And I just felt like France were looking a bit raggedy at that stage. Uh, I might have put that one to the corner, maybe brought on a few subs like your Keen Healy's, maybe Bealham at that stage um, and tried to shove them over just with a few fresh legs. But um, yeah, it's so difficult to say. Like, uh, Ferg's right. Like, you look at it now and you say, like, uh, you know, uh, Will, you've been listening to me for about two years with the lads going, you need to kick their points. Um, like it's been driving me mad that they're kicking to the corner all the time, particularly against really good teams. And obviously France are a great team. So um, I just felt like this was the one that uh, it's, it's, the, it's the exception to my rule, I think. Um, I mean, look, you definitely would have gone if they had 14 on the pitch, but I still felt like they just might have had them. I think you might have even got another penalty. You might have eaten another couple of minutes off the clock as well. Um yeah, I just felt like there was a lot of things and, and the momentum was really with us at that stage. And I, I just felt like I would have gone to the corner. But I feel harsh saying it because I completely get why Ryan goes and does that. Um, you know, Ireland were in the ascendancy. I'm sure he felt like they were going to be getting the ball back off the kickoff. Um, you know, their kick chase had been going reasonably okay for most of the time. And it's a strength for the team. So maybe he thinks they're going to get the ball back and they're going to get another opportunity. Um, I just felt like it kind of let them off the hook a little bit when they were, they looked a little tired to me at that stage. 
Um, they got a minute, you know, a minute or so break for the kick. They got to walk back up to the halfway line, three points ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just that, that was my, my my gut feeling on it wasn't that was that it wasn't right at the time and that they should have gone to the corner. I people, but I feel I harsh think, saying that. Yeah, I think people forget though that <clears throat> you know, yeah, James is is captain as Johnny would have been captain if he was fit. But messaging does get sent on from water carriers and breaks in play from that. So to say that that was 100% his decision, maybe it was, but you know, you can be sure that there was messaging sent on and that people were aligned. And, you know, I think Murray Kinsler uh, Ferg was saying that, um, I think he, he, I'm pretty sure he was saying he heard people roar from the touchline. So I'm not, I'm actually not saying maybe it's, it's James's fault actually, but it's yeah. interesting you say that because I'm pretty sure Murray Kinsler was saying, uh, on his, whatever, some show he's on there, um, that, um, your competitors. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It looked like I don't know. It looked like it was something separate. I think he might have been an actually interviewing. He might have been being interviewed by someone else. I'm not sure it was actually his podcast, but I'm pretty sure he said that um, uh, that he heard people roaring from the touchline to go for posts. So yeah, I'd say you're you're right. Like, uh, listen, they made a lot of mistakes afterwards. Like I'd say they'd be kicking themselves. Like they, they, I thought they kicked really badly afterwards. They missed loads of tackles. Like even in the last phase for and you know, like it's funny. It comes we talk about this decision. There was loads of things afterwards that they did really poorly. Like I felt even for France's, even for the try that was held up, like the amount of times people were like roaring at the ref for a penalty, like like way out of position and stuff, doing crazy things. You're saying just sit in the defensive line. We actually had numbers up. We were short because there was guys going offside, roaring at the ref for a penalty for a knock on. When actually, if they just stayed in their position on the line, we actually were, were in a way better position to to defend them. And even still, even despite all those mistakes. We still missed a terrible tackle um, to, to let him through at the end for, for, the, for the try that was held up. Um, and look, they go back and get the penalty anyway. Um, but like, there was even chances to, to clear, clear the kicks, uh, clear their, their lines a few times. And we just did it really poorly. So listen, we talk about the decision, but there was loads of things throughout the game um, that they look back on and think that was a mistake too, you know, and, and, and that cost us in, in the grand scheme. So I, I feel like he's going to get a bit of a hard time for it. Look, I think it's, it's, it's probably good that they think about these decisions anyway and, and, and go through the situations because um, this is a real 50-50 for me. I think it's really, like, there seems like there's lots of people think different things on it, you know? But it's an interesting one. Like, it reminds me of the All Blacks game in November when it was, think the All Blacks had cut it to six points. They had a try that was then disallowed and they had a penalty in front of the posts. And when they went for the three points there, I just thought that was a huge let off for Ireland. Like, we were, re- Ireland were really on the ropes then. The All Blacks had a similar kind of situation to what Ireland were in the weekend. They opted to go from a six-point to a three-point deficit. And then I think Tigburn got a turnover penalty in Carberry, you know, got, you know, kicked Ireland, you know, ultimately to the victory. It was very, I thought, reminiscent of that, where, as you say, Luke, what did France want Ireland to do there? Probably take the three points. I think they were probably a bit relieved that Ireland didn't go to the corner because, as you say, they were kind of on the ropes for the first time. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Like, uh, and the thing is, it's so hard to score. And like, if you don't score off the mall, it's really hard to, 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 you know, an international team defending for their lives at home, you know, like it's bloody hard to get over the line once you're that close. They don't have to defend any kicks in behind. They can load 15 in. They actually have a massive pack. So like once it gets slow in there, I thought it was going to be really tough for us. And I actually didn't think the ref did an unbelievably good job of, of uh, at the breakdown. He let them kind of slow us down, let them have little bites at the scrum half. Um, I thought he let them go off their feet a lot of breakdowns. So I actually felt like 
there was lots of risks with going to the corner. But you're right, the, the momentum definitely was with us at that time. And, and it felt like um, if, you know, France probably, if, if you were asking them, they were like, okay, three points, we're still winning. We get to kick it down into their 22 now. Um, you know, and they have to go the whole way up the pitch. But um, it feels harsh saying that too. So I, I don't know what's right. Uh, I, my, my sense is that the kick to the corner would have been what I would have done. Yeah, first of the breakdown that Luke mentioned there. Like, what was your read on what was happening there? It, it had been a, a real strength of Ireland, especially since Paul O'Connell came in last year uh, in, as a forwards coach. You know, the, the quick rough ball that Ireland were getting, but France really did slow Ireland down there. You know, the counter rook for the try in the second half. I think they got two turnover penalties in the first half in Irish territory that led to six points. They really used it as a weapon against Ireland. Like, what what what, what were they doing that you think saw them have so much success there? I think they're probably making a lot smarter decisions than the Welsh. Like the Welsh just went into the game thinking, let's just slow all of the rook ball down for Ireland. But you can't, you know, depending on how the ball carrier goes, you know, within the team, you can't always slow slow the ball down. So if he's getting over the gain line, sometimes you just got to box clever and fill fill the field. So that, that tackler who brought up the deck is obviously gone. But otherwise, you got 14 men in your field. I think Sean Edwards... Uh, I think one of his real strengths, obviously, he's brought an organizational side to the French defense and they're getting off the line very hard, but they're making really smart decisions around the rook. So previously, they just pile people into a rook like most French teams in um, the uh, the top 14. But nowadays, you're seeing a French side that makes arguably some of the smartest decisions around there and they've got such good poachers. So when they do go in and they have that little bit of daylight, they're just latching onto the ball, so I think um, they just they they probably they probably beat us in that 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 area in terms of their decision making on the day, um, and we we certainly didn't get it as quick ball as we did against Wales, but probably you know that was never really going to happen. It's it's tough to go to Paris and get rapidly quick ball anyway. Yeah, Luke. You know what about you? Like, were you disappointed that France had so much success at the breakdown, given how much of a strength it's been for Ireland, like especially in that first half when when France were on top. Like to get two turnover penalties in the Irish twenty-two, you know, is is pretty rare. Like, given like, was one of them. I think it was Tyke Furlong, Andrew Porter, who were trying to shift one of the French jacklers and couldn't get get him out of the way. I I thought the I thought the ref let them fall into where our rookers were were our, our two guys were, were coming in to clean out a lot, um, and it just gives you half a second uh, if you're the poacher to get in there. And I, and I thought, in fairness to them. Um, you know, Bastereau was, was the last French back that I remember being really good there at the breakdown. But like Fiku is excellent there. Mofana was really strong at, at the breakdown as well. He's got a nice height for it. Villiers got in over the ball Villiers as well. got in. I was just going to say, Villiers had, like, he had a brilliant game at side. He was so good. <laughs> actually, it's an unbelievable um, uh, play at the Rook. Um, you know, Marchand was very strong. Jelange was good there too. Like they had lots of guys who were very, very aggressive there and difficult to move. Um, and that combined with, as Ferg said, I, I think that little bit of smarts from uh, that Sean Edwards has brought to them and um, that little bit of extra line speed, that little bit of, you know, we'll leave this one go, we'll fan on this phase, we'll get them on the next one. They, they just look like they're, they're, they're really well organised there now um, and difficult to break down. But Ireland still did manage it, which was actually a real positive for us because I don't think our attack really fired that well. bit of that to do with the French defence, obviously, um, and, and what they did to us at the Rook. Um, but we still like we still scored three tries, you know. So um, now I, look, we'll say two tries because one of them was, I suppose, from uh, <laughs> from that kickoff. But um, I don't know. There was still you know positives to take from how Ireland 
could break them down. And I think um, if we'd been a little bit more accurate, a little bit more calm, um, you know, in, in key moments, particularly in that second half, um, I think we could have split them a few more times, actually. Um, I think they'll look back in the video and say, if, if I'd held my depth there a little bit more, um, you know, there's one more pass than that one, or if I'd held on to that one um, and maybe gone for one more rook, I think we got in behind them quite a bit. So while they were very good there, uh, I think we could be better. Um, so I don't think it's, it's time to, to, to start panicking and rethinking the game plan. Um, a bit more accuracy, maybe a little bit earlier at those breakdowns to stop them, um, you know, getting in there initially. Um, but then a little bit more accuracy in our attack. I think the combination of those things, uh, you know, I could see, I think England, I think it, we're, we're, we're very capable of beating England who are probably similar from an offensive perspective to, to France at this stage. Yeah, for some of the accuracy issues, Fergus, that Luke mentioned there, you know, the one or two drop balls where there was a couple of chances because, you know, when, when I was watching the game back today, what did jump out to me, in my mind watching it the first time live, I thought France were like well on top in the first half, but it was those small little errors that actually, that, you know, they went down the field and got a three-pointer out of that. You know, if those passes had stuck, it could have been a very different game. I actually didn't think Ireland were as far away when I was watching it back in that first half than the 19-7 scoreline probably indicates. Or maybe I'm reading that wrong, but that was watching it back today, what kind of was jumping out to me. Yeah, and I think I think both sides were guilty of a couple of those unforced errors, those handling errors. Um, I think Ireland have gone so well from November into the Welsh game. There's, there's probably an expectation now for that just not to happen to the team. And it was one of those days where there was a few, you know, uncharacteristic. It wasn't that many of them, but you, you just pay for them more when you're away in the likes of Twickenham or Paris. And we did, um, you know, on top of like you're, you're talking there about, you know, Ireland never really got going. They didn't show much. And I, I actually I fully agree with that. But I also think that the French actually not didn't really get going either. I think in the, at the start, yeah, they, they, they had that. You know, five phases where there's a small bit of indecision around who's setting up at D1, D2, D3, and Intermac just took it, took it on the fly, nice and flat, flicked it back in, and they started really well. But I think aside from that, I, did the French play the type of rugby they played against New Zealand in November? Probably not. You know, that was like that because that's that's the level they've gotten to now, and I and, and I don't think Ireland did either because I, that's what I'm, I'm. It's back to my original point. Um, when we first started chatting was I don't think either team really showed their hand about how well they can actually play. I think uh, it was a mixed performance from both teams, uh, probably over the course of the eight minutes. That's why it's funny because it was such an exciting game. And you're right, like there was very actual, there wasn't that much action in the 22s. It was all kind of between the 22s and then there might be a little error or penalty conceded in a three-pointer. And as you say, like France... Maybe, wait, wait, sorry. Couple... Did anyone think the first try was, was a four-pass? I saw well, I, well I saw the aerial replay today. Did, 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 did you see the footage four. today, Will? Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely a four pass. Yeah, it was, was amazed. Watched, yeah. I was amazed they didn't check that back, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was funny. Like, it, it seemed like it was a couple of moments that Ireland just let go. Like, Ferg mentioned that. Like, there was two phases where, before that try, we just never got out of the blocks. It'd be a terrible start to the game. Like, I was amazed we were still in it at, 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 uh, at the end. And I think Ferg's for 100% right. France have more in their tank as well. Um, so yeah, look, look, it, the Six Nations is generally a little bit cagier anyway. Like, it, New Zealand just play a more open brand of rugby. Like, I think they probably allow you to play a more open brand of rugby too. Um, but, um, 
the Six Nations is a bit different. Like t- teams know each other so well. If you think like both defenses are actually pretty stingy, and both teams are actually very good at the rook. So it's probably a bit of that as to why maybe both teams didn't play, didn't maybe show that flowing rugby. Um, but look, look, I have to say, I, I, I'm actually, I thought Ireland actually had a good showing. Bar, like, I, I couldn't believe how close they were to to winning that, having played, I think, fairly averagely. So I, I, I was really pleased actually. I, I know it sounds terrible, but like a, a bonus point out of that, I think Ferg's right. I think we're right in this now. Um, the dangers you go there, you get nothing. Um, but I think playing pretty, pretty average and, and coming away with a bonus point is, well, I think, we're, we're bodes really well because I think we can take England away. Hmm. What did you make of Joey Carby's performance, Fergus? Obviously, going into the game with Johnny Sexton's late injury, it was a huge talking point. You know, probably the biggest game of his career, his first Six Nations start. How do you think he played? I thought he performed well, considering the, the level of pressure. I mean, that's probably the most pressure he's ever been under in his career so far. Uh, you know, I suppose the expectation when Johnny plays is there's going to be a certain standard. So then, with the guy that comes into his to fulfill that role, you know, it's it's. Um, tough sho- shoes to step into which adds to the pressure of you you got to remember his first six nations start it's in paris most hostile probably environment you playing the six nations so yeah i i think he, i think he had a, a strong showing um i think his goal kicking was uh very good from some tough angles uh i think his line kicking was very good i think he got the team going around the field. There obviously was those unforced errors that weren't necessarily his fault, but just off some of those shapes off him, there seemed to be maybe a small bit of indecision around some of the pods where probably normally when Johnny was there, there'd be a bit more of a flow to it. So uh, in general, I thought he performed really well. And I think, you know, looking at the, you know, the World Cup cycle, that's a really important game for him to get under his belt, you know, because if Johnny was fit, he probably wouldn't have gotten that exposure this Six Nations, you know, might have got a start against Italy, but in, in the bigger, tougher games, you know, Andy Farrell w- would have started Johnny. Uh, so great experience for him. Uh, I think he, he he had an encouraging showing. And, and I think, in fairness, he probably, he probably put some doubters to, to, to bed in terms of should it have been him or someone else. I thought he stepped up. I thought he, he could have easily had a performance um, that would have been one to forget, and I don't think he did. I think uh, for for what he did, he showed well. Yeah, look, what did you make of his display? Yeah, I thought he was good. I feel like I'm going to be repeating what uh, a lot of what Ferg said. Um, you know, I still think he's a little bit lateral, um, and and it's interesting here. Ferg kind of spotted that too, and, and sorry, not that, but that the little bit of timing issues around you know, um, maybe some of the pods off him. Like, it's very different playing outside of him versus Johnny. Like, Johnny gets the ball through his hands so quickly. He's so... And look, he's in the team for, like, 100 times. So, like, I feel harsh actually even making this comparison. But we're, let's, you know, let, I'm going to stick with the point for the moment because I still think... Because even at Munster, I think it too. He's a little bit lateral. And I feel like, yes, he gets away with it sometimes because his footwork is great. Sometimes it's not that, not so bad for, for a 10 to be... Uh, you know, a little bit lateral because people stop defending you and he's got great footwork. So, you know, sometimes that can work in your in your favor for your own attacking options. But if you're playing outside him, I still feel like he, he doesn't, he's not, nah, he's not uh, direct enough, doesn't hold his opposite marker enough, doesn't create enough space for guys outside him sometimes. And, and, and I'm being picky on that one, but I think that's the, for if, if you want, if you want to be a top class 10, I feel like that's the area of growth for him. And that's a big point of difference between him and Johnny. Um, Like your experience playing in the same, 
enter inside Johnny versus playing outside uh, Joey would be very, very different. Um, and I don't know what Ferg thinks of that because he's obviously played in the centre a lot too. Um, but Johnny's a dream to play outside. He can serve so much space for you. you oftentimes, the guy marking you, um, you'll have two sides to attack because he won't get the, the inside defender just can't leave Johnny because he's just so direct um, and, and at his inside shoulder. Whereas I think that's a bit, if you look at all the other 10s, um, you know, in, in the country, actually, I, I would argue, um, and nearly anywhere, uh, I think that's a big point of difference for Johnny. It's such a it's such a basic skill, but it's so so important and hard to execute against defenses nowadays. So that that's the area of growth for him. But what I would say is like, and just to reiterate Ferg's initial point, which is the most important, that was a really important game for the Irish team and Joey Carvey because we now know that we have someone who can play on the big stage, who can carry, you know, who can get the team to within a score of the French in Paris. Like that's a bloody difficult thing to do. So we know we can rely on him in a big game at the World Cup. Like that was something that we we're all worrying about. So um, I was really pleased for Joey. I thought he was really good. He looked calm off the tee as well. It was very, very you know composed there. Um, but that's the one part of his game I think I'd love to see a little bit of growth on. It. It's whether he gets the opportunities now uh, when when Johnny comes back because he's still going to be around um, to to flourish and be calmer and, and more comfortable in the slot. You know that's that's a big challenge for him. But certainly it was a great showing. Yeah, for example, how would you manage the out half position for say for the Italy game? There's a week break now. Then Italy, if Johnny is fit, would you keep Joey in there for Italy and then see for England, or would you bring Johnny back in to get him the game time ahead of that that trip to Twickenham? Uh, I'm sure Johnny wants to play because he wants to play in every Irish game to 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 try get as many Irish caps under his belt. But I think probably strategically, I think. Um, keeping him off his feet until those last two games is the priority, really. Um, like, he picked up that <clears throat> soft tissue injury in training. Like, let's be honest, that the way the Italians have been performing, like, you would expect this Irish team to beat them by maybe 40 points. Uh, and hopefully we can make uh, a, a nice dent into the points difference um, that might make a difference in the end. So I think starting Joey and keeping Jack Carty on the bench, giving him a little bit more exposure as well, um, I think it would be silly to to put Jack in. I think that's you know, not that he doesn't deserve it, but I think maybe a little bit of consistency where, where Joey can get another opportunity of like 50, 60 minutes and then Carty come off the bench, show what he can do. Obviously, it will be a nice confidence booster realistically that game for the squad. Um, and uh, yeah, just keep keep Johnny and Cotton Wolf for, for those two deciding matches. Yeah, Lucas, it'll be interesting to see what Andy Farrell does because in November he kept a very settled team for all three games, you know, would you like to see him make some changes, bring in some of the younger guys like a Robert Balakoon who hasn't, you know, played in the Six Nations as yet, you know, something like James Hume maybe getting a start or would you like to see him keep a pretty similar team to kind of maybe build momentum ahead of the, the trip to Twickenham? Um, I'd like to see him try. I, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to see Hume in there. Um, you know, and definitely I, I agree with Ferg, though. I would keep Carberry in there. I just think give him, give him some time in the slot. Like, you, you need a bit of time there to grow with the team and for them to get used to you um, in that position. So, yeah, I keep Carberry, but definitely would, would like to see a few changes elsewhere. Um, I do think, you know, it is important that, that you put Italy to the sword. I always rather get Italy on the back of one of the, the two games in a row. Like, they have a skinnier squad um, that, than most teams. They get a couple of injuries particularly later in the competition. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to get them on the sixth week or the, the kind of second week. And um, they have a two-week break coming to this one, which is always a bit... Ah, I'm probably being a bit picky, but I, I like to see them, you know, back it up two weeks in a row on an international level. They usually get absolutely 
destroyed. Um, you know, but look, uh, still expect the Irish team as Ferg to say to put up a, a, a big score on them, and they should still be able to do that while making a few changes. I just would make sure that I don't go wholesale on it because you do need to put put a score on them uh, if you have any aspirations of winning the tournament. Yeah, and there's a good few players released to play for the provinces this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see if anyone puts their hand up ahead of uh, the Italian selection uh, next week. You know, Ferguson, in terms of the other kind of big game of the weekend, the Wales-Scotland game, some turnaround for Wales after their performance at the Aviva Stadium. And, and as for Scotland, I suppose, you know, we were kind of talking about it last week, Luke, we, had, we kind of, that they hadn't won their first two games in the Six Nations since 1996 when it was the Five Nations, so another year for them waiting for that. But were, were you surprised that Wales were able to turn around, Ferguson? And I'm... And what's your kind of take on Scotland? Like they, they seem to always take one step forward, one step back. They can never seem to put it together for the two weeks in a row. It must be very frustrating to be a Scottish fan. Yeah, I'd say so. I think oh, it's just, a, I suppose, a, que- a question that kind of group, the group of Scottish guys are really, really talented guys. And there probably is a Six Nations trophy in there somewhere. But uh, you got a question, maybe the attitude. And I know that there, they were the messaging in the media was one game at a time and stuff but this this has happened over and over again where they've won a game or two or you know won the Calcutta Cup against England and they you know all of a sudden put in the business performance the, the next week so I think just that level of consistency and maybe keep keeping keeping their feet on the ground I don't know whether it's a player's thing or from come from the coaches but you know that that side is that squad is good enough to 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 challenge for the Six Nations um, so they'll be bitterly disappointed because Wales were there for the take and it's not a good it's not a good Welsh squad there's a um, there's a lot of players coming into the twilight of their career you know a, a, probably a big motivating factor for them <clears throat> for the game was you know Jonathan Davies and, and Dan Bigger getting their 100th cap on the day I'm sure that would have got them up for a bit more and the fact that you know they did get spanked by Ireland in in Aviva. Like I can't remember you know, a Welsh team that you know to come over to Dublin and not quite roll over, but just get dominated so badly in in, in every part of the field. And, and that was largely down to how well Ireland had played. But um, I suppose the way it was pitched, I, I, it's easy for me to say now. But I kind of looked at the fixture and was like, Jeevers, this looks like one that Scotland could easily get turned over on because. You know, in Cardiff, it is always a tough place to go, kind of no matter where the, the Welsh team are at. But the Scots were just lined up for, <laughs> um, I don't know, just mentally maybe not being as there as you need to be when you go to Cardiff, regardless again, regardless of what Welsh, Welsh side you face. Yeah, I think what's annoying Scottish fans even more is that Matt Williams is tearing strips off them on Irish TV and they're like, you are our worst coach of all time. You lost every, <laughs> pretty, every game you coached with them. It's, it is interesting. Like they, they, To my mind, they don't... Um, I don't know. I just feel like they don't... They don't look like a team that can um, back it up week on week in that like they don't often have all the territory or all the possession... Do you know that kind of way? Do you know like a team that consistently gets those things oftentimes can produce consistent performances? Um, I feel like they're kind of scrappy. They've got some very dangerous players, as Ferg mentioned. They've got some, you know, uh, you know, talismanic guys, but also guys who like to play off the cuff, like uh, Finn Russell, who's a key guy for them. But like, does he give you consistency? Like that? sometimes I wonder about that. I think he can have a big game, but it's very hard to back up those special plays, you know, week in, week out. Um, sometimes you just want someone who's consistent, who's going to give you consistent decision making, who's going to put the team in the right positions all the time, not to shoulder the burden on, 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 on completely on him. But 
that's what I'm, my feeling when I watch them is very much that. I don't feel like they're a team that gets on top of you. I feel like they're a team, like even against England, they weren't on top in that game. Like England kicked so badly in it, but they had all the possession, just couldn't break Scotland down. They just they had no creativity really. Whereas Scotland, on the other hand, had a little bit of the game, but they had some really key moments. Uh, you know, big players like that Stuart Hogg pass to, I think it was to Graham off that short side. I think it was off a line out maybe. Like they had those kind of big moments and they're very dangerous. Um, but are they a team that can back it up week on week if you defend correctly, if you don't have shooters like the English lads did? Probably not. I think they get caught in the second week and they've been very consistent in that. As you say, it's 1995 since they won two in a row. Um, and there's a reason for that. I think they find it hard to get on top of teams for a consistent amount of the game. Yeah, and to, and to win your first game two years, the last two years against England, you know, the big you know, fill up to start the campaign and then to go away to Wales the following week this year and then at home last year and lose must be, you know, pretty debilitating. First, do you think there is a, like, they do seem to be like talking themselves up or kind of trying to talk their way into championship contention? Are they kind of maybe putting that, you know, that cart before the horse and, you know, I don't know, rolling up their sleeves and getting that kind of big away scalp? You know, I know they did it last year, but that was in behind closed doors and Twickenham, you know, and in Paris, which is very different to maybe going to a packed Cardiff. Yeah, well, I, I, no, I don't think they're talking themselves up. Definitely not, actually. I think it's that it was the, the opposite I felt this time. I felt they were really, they seemed conscious of not doing that. But you could kind of sense that, you know, they're saying one thing and maybe internally believing another, you know, that kind of way. And it's changing that is, is a tough thing to do. So, um, yeah, I think, agree with Luke again, actually. You made a very good point there about... Um, just not dominating sides for for enough of a game. Like they, they, they play better rugby than a side when you look back at a match over clips and go, how did not win that? You know, that's such a good style of rugby they play. But sometimes that's not a, a test match winning style. I think they need to kind of marry the kind of Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg kind of X factor into kind of boxing smart and tough periods of matches. I don't think they've got that yet. It's funny though, they might not be out of the competition. Like they have, so they, they've, they've France coming to them, you know, in, in Murrayfield, like a bloody difficult proposition. As Ferg said, like France are very capable of not having a big away performance in them. Like there's generally one of those in, in, in the competition. Um, and things could look very different. Like that, that bonus point in, um, in the millennium might actually look similar to Ireland. That might look okay towards the end of the competition. So look, it feels like a long shot to say it, um, but they might have their two toughest fixtures out of the way. Uh, and be in a great position um, by, you know, by, by the end of kind of week four or week three, I suppose, in terms of the games. Um, so, yeah, look, it's disappointing that they didn't get the two wins in a row. Feel like they're probably a team that, that well, they, I'm sure internally, it seems like they feel like they're going in the right direction. Um, and that seems like a step backwards. But look, it's still a bonus point in Cardiff. Card- like we, how many times have we gone over to Cardiff ourselves um, with a team we're thinking, geez, we have to beat this Welsh team. And all of a sudden, you know, they make, you know, 250 tackles and come out on the right side of a win. And you're thinking, geez, how did that happen? So they wouldn't be the first team that that happened to. It didn't feel like that type of game. Um, but regardless, they still got a bonus point out of it. So um, wait and see. Let's, it might look very different in two weeks' time. In an ideal world, like in that, in that, for that Super Saturday, at this stage, what would be pretty cool would be if the Scots could, could beat the French and it goes into that final. And we, we, we win all, all our matches until that last game. And you're literally playing, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a super Saturday to see who, who wins it. That would be pretty, 
that'd be pretty cool. I, I, I think there's a strong chance that could happen. Hmm. And it would leave Ireland knowing they've already beaten Scotland. You know, there's no chance of Ireland losing that game. So we, we know <laughs> basically that the title would basically be, yeah. we'd have one hand the title if it comes to that. Uh, <laughs> but Luke, do you think, you know, obviously two weeks in, you know, is there anything kind of jumping out of you across the board in terms of trends or you know anything that, that you find interesting about the Six Nations so far, about how teams are trying to play or anything jumping out at you in that regard? Do you know what I think? I think there's actually, op- I know that wasn't very fluid on the weekend and both defences are very good. Just to the Irish-French game, to, first of all, I think a lot of the chances really come from good kicking. I think really good kicking is really important. I think those that 50-22 rule is actually a brilliant rule, I think. I, I, re- I really think that's a really good idea. Um, oh, Ty Brandt was so good as well. Oh, look, that was a bit of a jammy one. Like, that was a kind of, pick, you know, <laughs> ball knocked in behind us. You know, he picks it up, has a bit of a hack at it. Like, happy days for us. Uh, and a big turning point in the game at that point. But, I got a new central contract today teams, as well. But you're seeing teams respect that, you know, respect that kick quite a bit, I think. Um, and you even think at the end of the game, France, you know, Fiku had that nice chip over the top. You know what I mean? That was a kind of crucial moment in the game as well for France. Um, you know, that, that's something that I think is, is I think England tried to exploit it a bit more against uh, Scotland than they probably needed to. And they didn't execute very well. But I, I do think that's kind of, um, it opens up other opportunities for us. So I'm hoping it makes for a more open championship versus the kind of turgid stuff maybe that we have seen, you know, just where the fences seem to be so hard to break down. So um, that's maybe something that, that maybe I'm looking at that, that seems important. I do think um, the offside line is still a big issue in all the games I've watched. I just think that, um, you know, the, the, the touch judges are just not involved enough. Like, they need to be, like, if you have an extra bit of space there, I think it makes the game very, very different. And um, I still think they're not reffing that correctly. So that, that there are two things that I, one thing I'd like to fix and one thing that I think is working maybe in, in terms of trends in the competition. Hmm. Yeah, and first, what about you? Is there anything that's kind of, you found particularly interesting or that you, that you found particularly noteworthy across the kind of games for the first two rounds? I think Prince Side's probably been getting into the opposition 22 and they have an advantage. They haven't been kicking the ball away as quickly. I think in previous championships, sides have just, you know, the, the, the ref would stick his arm out and all of a sudden it would be like, right, who are we going to kick kick past the ball to? Who are we going to, you know, are we going to chip, you know, chip it over their line or put in a grubber kick? Whereas uh, sides have been trying to, you know, play plays with the ball in hand that they might not always play, you know, inside the 22 to try and score. And that's been encouraging. I also think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like from watching the games that sides haven't really been kicking the ball as much uh, in general, uh, but certainly the Irish side, side hasn't in comparison to, you know, the, 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 the Joe Schmidt models in the past of, uh, you know, as, as successful as it was at times. You know, constantly box kicking. Largely, that is, you know, for the Irish side, is down to probably the tempo that Gibson Park gives you with his passing off the deck. So you don't need to resort to that a lot of the time. But that probably be the two big things I've spotted. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. Do, do you think that's because of the the fifty twenty two for where teams are going to come? Like, oh, we we do have to respect that a little bit here. We 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 do have to watch that. Is is that because there's maybe a little bit more space or? You 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 put it down to that kind of zippy passing. You don't really know. Like I, I'm kind of. Or know, they just maybe they just no, decided to play that way. No, I don't. Well, like, the, the fifty twenty two thing actually, it's an interesting question because I haven't really thought about it. You know, as a back three who's actually playing the match while whilst watching stupidly, even even though obviously we played it for, like professionally only up to a few years ago, but 
um, it definitely would change your mentality. And like, it's t- very tough defending, you know, as you know, at test level, you know, when they've got the ball in hand. So if you've got that in the back of your head where you're like, they actually get the ball in behind me on my wing here. And as Ty Byrne managed to do, it goes into touch. Like, huge turning point. I, the Irish get a, um, a line in that part of the field. We scored from that line it didn't we? Or from a couple of phases after it. Did, did we or did we not? I didn't know. I think the French won oh. that line after Ty Byrne. Was, uh, was that the overthrow yeah. or did they nab it? I think, I, think, I think they just got up and they nicked it then. Nicked it, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, the point is that it makes it very difficult. But um, yeah, like just those moments are like, that is a huge advantage for an attacking side. So it changes the defensive mentality of the outside backs. So um, yeah, I think I think the, the back threes, particularly the Irish back threes, have coped very well considering that you've got that thread on top of everything else. And it is funny, do you know as well, I sorry, I probably meant to say this with, with Ireland. I couldn't, like we just... <laughs> The amount of times that we kicked the ball away, like we've been so good at that thing that Ferg was saying about when we have an advantage, um, you know, playing it. But I just, Gibson Park, like, look, I, I, I could kind of see what he was doing, but he kicked a few away that were kind of key. Remember the penalty in the second half um, that he kicked it through? Now, DuPont does unbelievably well. Um, but I look, it was probably a bit harsh. Maybe the ref didn't give us, but there was one in the first half as well. In, in their half, we were struggling to kick the few away. Like, I do think that the, the plan should be, as Ferg said, as what he's seen with the other teams, keeping them in hand, like trying to get another pen. Like, it's really where you bring yellow cards into play. Um, you know, the, the, the pressure, the, the, the penalty count, really, whatever it is about having two consecutive ones in the same play, just seems to build up in the referee's mind. Um, that the other team are just really being, uh, kind of cynical you know so um yeah i didn't think ireland played that part actually very well but it is it's it's interesting to hear you say that that's a trend i must keep an eye on that now yeah a couple of interesting things to look out for just before we wrap up fergus obviously during covid you you, you retired you know you didn't get that kind of send-off because you know crowds weren't there and stuff like that but have you found retirement generally has it been tough you know stepping away from the environment yeah definitely miss the environment i miss the i miss the the lads and probably the crack you you would have within that, but uh, in terms of missing playing the game, I'm I, I haven't really missed it that much, being honest. Um, or, or the training side of it really. Uh, so no, listen, I think you, you look at it a day. I was actually over in Paris at the game, so it was unbelievable atmosphere. In fairness, and there's moments before a match like that where you're looking on going. I remember because I remember how it feels you know when you line up for the anthems there and like how special it is, how nervous you are. Uh, and just like that occasion, and it was so great to see it back again, um, is unbelievable. So there are those, <laughs> rather than that half an hour beforehand, even though I'd had a few beers and I was like, actually, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, That's I'm a little bit more pleasant than... <laughs> I was like, I'm happy in the stand here, actually, from, uh, than, uh, chasing, chasing down uh, Fiku and the lads. But uh, I, I uh, there are moments like that where you're like, Jesus, that they're such special occasions. But I had my fill of them. And um, I think retiring at the time I did when there was no crowds, it probably made that transition a small bit easier because I wasn't looking on going, oh, geez, a packed RDS for a European Cup game or whatever. It was a little bit grim for the guys there. Uh, so it probably made that uh, a touch easier for me, yeah. Yeah, and as you say, it was great to have big occasions like Saturday night in Paris back and a couple of great ones over the next couple of weeks to look forward to as well. But for now, Fergus, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on.
That's all we have time for this week on The Left Wing. We will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.